it gets, it gets really, really dark at night. And uh, that's the title of my message this morning. Many of you know that uh, growing up as a young kid, I, I, I've shared how I used to get scared, especially at nighttime. I was afraid to sleep alone. I've told shared some of my fears with you, but maybe because of uh, my experiences with that really got my attention when I heard the story that I'm going to share with you. It was a summer, summertime, and there was a real, uh, real bad, real severe thunderstorm. Lightning was flashing, thunder was loud, and it just continued on into to the nighttime. And so it was time for little Johnny to go to bed. And so his mom uh, went with him to the bedroom, said the prayers, and uh, she took Johnny in, and she started to turn to leave, to turn the light out, and little, she heard this little voice, Mommy, can you please sleep with me tonight? And as only a, a mother could, she walks over to the bed, and she takes little Johnny up, and she holds him real tight, and she kisses him. She said, Honey, it's going to be okay. She said, Jesus will be with you, but she said, I need to go and sleep in Daddy's room. And little Johnny laid back down, and as a mom was walking out, the door, she heard him say, the big sissy. <laughs> ah, the big sissy, yeah. But, but, but fears are real, and, and being afraid ain't funny anytime. It, it, it's really not. It really gets dark. And all of us have had those nights in our life when it got dark, times that... Uh, Maybe there, there, maybe there were storms, and it really got dark. And for sure, all of us have had more experience with uh, fear lately than we ever really wanted to have or needed to have. And I need to say up front that there is a, uh, that there's a, there's a big difference, I think, between being afraid and being fearful. And uh, I put that in perspective, walking to my deer stand before daylight and to hear the, the sound of a rattlesnake rattling, I got afraid. you get afraid pretty quick, okay? You, 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 you stop, you find out what your situation, and you act accordingly. But I don't let fears of rattlesnakes keep me from going deer hunting, Bill. Uh, you know? So, so there's, there's a difference. I understand that. And all of us have fears that we deal with, some better than others. I mean, I don't understand why, and you know that, um, some people are afraid of snakes. I, they're not too bad. Spiders are the big deal with me. Uh, and, I, you know, the spiders have eight legs, and I think they can, they can get you with any one of them. They're, they're just, that, that's my fear. And I, and I had a grandson. I had a grandson. Guys, I, you would know him. But he was afraid of ladybugs. And his mom used to chase him all over the house with a ladybug. <laughs> it, it, it's silly. Uh, but just don't make sense. I read, a, I read a definition of fear. Fear is defined as a painful emotion or passion excited by an expectation of evil or the apprehension of impending danger. Now, that's a lot of big words. And for me, I get lost in big words. So I ran across an acronym recently for fear that I really like. It's simple. I can understand this a lot better than I can that definition. The acronym for fear, Daryl, is false evidence appearing real. False evidence appearing real. 
Now, we know we're, we're living with uh, in, in a situation that this coronavirus or COVID-19, uh, I've called it everything from carnivore virus to, to whatever it was, has, you know, that's swept the world and it changed things so completely. Uh, and, and we know the, the false information that we've heard so much about that. I mean, initially, we were told that it was going to have a 5% mortality rate. 5%, and so worldwide, they were predicting millions of deaths. Just at the end of June, I looked at the statistics this past week, at the end of June, CDC in Atlanta had, had, had just put the mortality rate in this country at right around 0.02%, or two one-hundredths of a percent. Now, that's a lot different than 5%. And matter of fact, to, to get a perspective of that, the mortality rate for seasonal flu in the, in the United States this year is between 0.01% and 0.02%. Now, this COVID virus is, is absolutely, it's real. There's no mistake about that. It, uh, it's real. It can, uh, it can be deadly, and we know that. And, and my, our heart go out for any person who is, dies for any reason. But the truth is, we can be as healthy as we can try to be and still get the virus. We are cautious as we can try to be. And there's everything right. There's nothing wrong with being cautious, nothing wrong with being wise. But it's just that this fears, there's, there's so many fears. And fears is more than being afraid. Fear brings torment. It really does. But the good news that I got for you this morning is we don't have to wait till the end of the year or we don't have to wait till next year because God's word has a vaccine and a cure for fear that brings torment. It really does. And I want you to go with me to the book of uh, 1 John. I, I was thinking that this would... Uh, would be a message on 1 John 4, 18. We, we talked in 1 John 4 last week about love uh, and the importance of, of living in love and that. And so 1 John 4, 18 is the verse that was really the catalyst for Kevin King coming to faith in the Lord, was 1 John 4, 18. And so I, I knew that. We talked about it last week. And I, I thought this morning I was going to come and we're just going to zero in on chapter 4, verse 18. And as I got to reading verse 18 this, this week, I just kept, you know, it's one of those things where you read that and you thought, gosh, what did it say right before that? And I read 17. And what did it say? And I read 16. And I read 15. And I read 14. And I kept reading back. So with that, we're going we're gonna to start with verse 13. And we're going to talk about how God is with us in the darkest night to cast out fear. Okay? And as we start with verse 13, there's another definition that I want to give you. Because look, as we look at verse 13, King James says, hereby know we that we dwell in him, and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. Now, this word dwell is an interesting word. Some of your other translations have got a different word there. What they got? Uh, uh, live in him. Somebody over here said, abide in him. Yeah, any, any other? Huh? Reside. Remain. All these are great. All these words are so, they're all good interpretations of the word dwell. They're, they're really good. Remain, abide, live. And, and uh, there was a, there was, Jackie came, there was a definition of the Greek word there. And this is one of the definitions and one of those you shared. It says, dwell means to be held 
are to be kept continually. Now, I thought about that. To me, that's the picture of little Johnny with mama holding him, and she's just holding him. He's dwelling with her. She's got her arms around him. He's got his arms around her, and they're just snuggling. You feel safe. That is such a such a accurate, such a truthful statement. When we dwell in Him, we feel safe. And as we're going to talk about that. Let's look at this verse thirteen here, fourteen and fifteen. And when we see this word dwell, let all these definitions: safe, residing in Him, abiding in Him, living in Him. Dwelling in him. All those, all those are there with it. And look at how many times in the verses we're going to read does it talk about dwelling in him, he dwelling in us uh, with that. The lights are just doing crazy things because I'm talking about dwelling in the dark. So they do that. All right, look at this. Hereby we know that we dwell in him and he is in us because he has given us of his spirit. All right, look at verse 14. This, is, this talks about being saved in verse 14 and 15. Expand on verse 13. Verse 14 says, And we've seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. That reminds me of John 3, 16, don't you? Kind of reminds you. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God, we've seen this. The Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Look at verse 15. That whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God, what? Here's his word again. Dwells in him, and he in God. You know, when we, well, Romans 8 talks about that, the Spirit of God dwelling in us. And we, a lot of times with with younger kids at, at VBS, our young kids will talk about when they uh, want to ask Jesus to come in their heart. I had a parent, a couple, young family came up after first service. And uh, their oldest one is five or six years old. And, and they said, we've been, you know, we, we were watching uh, uh, these uh, Christian stories on, and, uh, for kids. And, and we've been talking about in their devotion and said, our, our, our son is, is, is talking about asking Jesus to come into his heart. And we rejoice. We talked about that. So we talk about asking Jesus to come in their heart. What are we saying? What we're saying is when we invite Jesus, that's Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God, is the third person of the Godhead. And the Holy Spirit comes to live in our heart. So when we say, is Jesus in your heart? That's the same thing as saying the Holy Spirit is in our heart. That's God living there. And I just want to tell you, they're one and the same. So when you have the Holy Spirit, you got Jesus and God both. All three, they're there dwelling. And so this verse says, when we, when we confess that Jesus is the Son of God, that means we accept him. It's whosoever, John 3, 16. Whosoever here in 1 John 4, 15. As we invite him in, he comes and dwells in us. He lives in us. He abides in us. He resides in us. He, is, he brings that, that comfort. He holds us and we in him. Now, let's... Look on at what he's, what he's talking about. It's, it's his residence. Just a word on that. I thought about Sarah when he said he resides. <clears throat> I don't know if you've had to renew your license, um, how long it's been since you've renewed your driver's license. But a while back, I went to renew my license, walked into the DMV, and, uh, and they said, well, we need proof of residence. I handed them my old driver's license. We need proof of residence. I said, say what? 
Well, they said, have you, got a, have you got an electric bill or a water bill in, in your name? Well, I said, yeah, home. I didn't know I needed to bring those with me. Now, I just want to tell you, when you, when you go there, you need to have this stuff, okay? So I had to go get some, I had to go get a letter to show them who I was, and they knew me. <laughs> and I said, I've had these lasted for 40 years. Look at this. But they needed proof of residence. When we go to vote now, and I like this, is everything good with this? In Georgia, go to vote, and I go to the voting precinct, and here, here are people I grew up with, went to school with, and I walk in, they said, we need to see some ID. Yeah. And I'm like, I got no ID. What do you mean? No. And, and we, so we take our license, and we show them. They have to have proof of residence, because that proves where we're living, right? Somebody said that this first John, that love proves where we're living, when he's living in us, and we're living in him. Well, that was last week's sermon. Let his love, love in us and love in each other, love in others. Okay? So let's, let's talk about this as we begin expanding about that, his perfect love, what this perfect love does. Let's look at verse 16 and 17 and 18. It says, and we've known and believed the love that God hath to us. Now, how much did God love us? Huh? Huh? To the death. God loved us so much, he gave his son, right? And Jesus loved us so much that he gave his life. So, okay, so we've known and believed the love that God has to us. And then it just says this big statement, God's love. If you look up love in God's dictionary, it'd have a picture of him. If you looked up God in, the, in his dictionary, it'd have a picture of love. You can't separate them. And look, notice this, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Wow. Verse 17, Craig. Herein is our love made perfect, made mature, made complete, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Look at this, because as he is, as Jesus is, so are we in this world. So as we live in the world, abiding in him and he abiding in us, it's the same as if God in us, if God was living with us in this world. As for service, uh, I said, who is God afraid of? And Jasper said, oh, here, five years old, Jasper said, nothing. What is God afraid of? Nothing. Who's he afraid of? No one. Perfect love cast out fear. In our darkest night, in the storms that, that come into our lives that we have no control over, God is there. He's promised never to leave us, never to forsake us. And let's look at this. I was talking, thinking about, about this. Let's go verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love does what? Cast out fear. Because fear has torment. He that feareth is not made complete, is not made perfect in love. Now, I was thinking about that this week, and I was thinking, well, what's the opposite of, of what's the opposite of uh, fear? What is the opposite of that? So give, me a, give me something. Give me a word. Huh? Peace. Contentment. Huh? Conquers. Confidence. Confidence. That's a good word. 
The opposite of fear is confidence. Yeah, boldness. I think he uses that back in verse 17. Is boldness here. Any other? Security. Security. Serenity. Who said serenity? That's a big word. It's a good word. Serenity. Yeah. The the opposite of of fear is all these things. Peace, faith, boldness, confidence, serenity. All these things. Look at, huh? Security. Yes, no, that's a good one. Dwelling in him, his arms around us, holding us. He and us, us and him. Look at Isaiah 26, 3, I think, is a good verse that I think about, about peace and, 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 and fear. I love, I love this, this verse, Isaiah 26, 3. Thou will keep him, what? In perfect peace. Now, I like that. I, I, it, it doesn't just say peace. It means this is a real deal. This is a complete peace. He'll keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Now, we, that, to me, that's kind of like he's got his eyes fixed on you, Lord. Now, that don't mean walking around through the world every day just like this. You'd run over things, right? But that, that means we got our mental eye tuned into who Jesus is. And there's a peace there, but we got to look at this last phrase in this verse. Memorize these verses, and people, people say he'll keep him in perfect, perfect peace whose hearts and minds are stayed on him. But we don't lose the last phrase. Why is the last phrase? What is it? Because he what? Trust in you. Ah, that's part of the secret. God's got peace, perfect peace. No matter what the storm you're going through, it may be just one dark night. Or you may be in a season. You may be in a storm. Early, we're on the way to church this morning, and and, uh, Paige sends a a, a sight for Barbie, I think from Max Licato's new book. I like Max Licato. And so Barbie is reading it to me. She's downloaded it, and she's reading it. I'm throwing out technical terms. I'm relating to the younger generation here. I just want you all to know this stuff, you know. She, she threw that stuff down and was reading it to me, <clears throat> whatever there. But it was talking about the story. Remember the story in the, in the, with Jesus and the disciples? When he tells them, he'd been together, been together doing stuff, and he says, now, guys, go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and, uh, and I'll meet you. So they get in a boat and leave. And they're about halfway across the, 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 the Sea of Galilee, and, and it gets dark, and it's, it's really dark. And one of the storms, notorious storms coming down from the hills right there. And, and they are scared to death. They, they're tired. They're strained. And now they, they, the rowing, the boat is against winds. They can't do anything. And the boat is really little when it comes to the waves. The light is shining. This dark, the thunder, the noise of the thunder, the noise of the waves. And Jesus ain't there. Have you ever been where you felt like exactly he told you to go? And you found yourself in the middle of a storm and he didn't seem to be there. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. It can happen. And in the midst of all that, Jesus walks to him on the water. And he says, it's me. It's okay. Peace be still. And sometimes, Jesus can speak to the waves and say, hey, guys, calm down. And they just go, Whew. Sometimes he says, uh, somebody said, he calms the storm around us. Boy, that's what we prayed for, right? But I want to tell you, guys, sometimes he calms us in the middle of the storm. 
Either way, it's okay. Why? Because he's there. Because he's there. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is fixed on you because he trusts in you. Now, the question is, can we develop a faith that conquers our fears? And, and, and think about this, because I think, I think the important word here is develop. I'm not saying that we got a faith that's just that big. I mean, how, what, what can we do to strengthen and to grow and to, to make, uh, that, uh, develop a faith that is going to be trusting him in those dark nights, in those dark storms? And to, and to, to do that, I want us to go to, to a guy who, who would never think would ever be afraid, okay? Who was, uh, remember, remember the, the, the teenage, teenage guy that uh, faced the giant with, with, with sling and a stone? What was the guy's name? David. Remember that young teenager? Now, David, what, that, Goliath wasn't his first, that wasn't his first rodeo, all right? When you read the story about David, we found out, found out he was a shepherd, and, and he took care of the sheep, and a lot of times he had to take care of those sheep at night and in some dark nights. Matter of fact, it had to be a dark night when here this young teenager was there, and he hears a growl, and it was a lion, and the lion had come to get a sheep, and David said he, he dispatched the lion. He took care of the lion. I don't know if he did it with his rod or with his sling or rod. I have no idea, but he killed the lion barehanded. And another storm, another stormy day, a bear came. David had taken care of a bear. He had taken care of a lion. And now this nine and a half feet tall giant that's going to going to threaten to stomp him like a bug. He didn't say that, but if he had been alive today, I'll, I'll squish you like a bug, you know, or a spider. I know, I know. I just give me. That would be cool. Anyway, so here David is, and we think, man, David is a giant killer. David wasn't afraid. He wasn't afraid of nobody, nothing. How could he be? Man, look at him. Go with me to David's writings in Psalms 56. We're going to, that's going to be our last time we flip scriptures, Lord willing, it may, if, unless something happens. But Psalms 56, and I've, I've asked Craig to put this up in, in the New Living Translation. Look what David says now. Oh God, have mercy on me, for people are hounding me. My foes, my enemies attack me. All day long is relentless. I'm constantly hounded by those who slander me. And there's a, and there's there are more than one. Lord, there are many that are boldly attacking me. Look at what he says now. But when I'm afraid, whoa, wait a minute. David, you ain't supposed to ever get afraid, man. You killed a giant. David, you killed a bear without a gun. David, you killed a lion. David, you're the king, man. You're the warrior. You ever get afraid? I want to tell you. Yeah. Yeah. All of us. All of us have had those nights that got dark. Some of us have been through those storms. In the midst of those storms. When it was dark. And David understood. And David said, when I'm afraid. What did he, what did he, what did he say though? He said, when I'm afraid, I will put my trust in you. Does that sound familiar from like Isaiah 26.3? Now look what he says in the next verse. He, this, this fear, 
when he, when, he, when he focuses his trust in who God is, the fear now has turned to praise. Look at this. I praise God for what he's promised. I trust in God. So why should I be afraid? Listen, you can almost, almost hear him walking through this, right? These people, man, they, they, were out, they, they were all boldly, he said, they're attacking him. Boldly. They're hounding him. They're, they're, they're barking like a dog's got a something treat. If you've ever seen a, I don't want to go there. I'll, I'll get in trouble with Barbie if I do that. All right. But they're, they're just nipping at him. Okay? They're nipping at him. And, 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 and to the point of, that he says, when I get afraid, he, you, you mean a lion didn't fear you? Bear didn't scare you? You face this nine and a half foot giant, but you're afraid of these people? Fear of people is pretty big fear. Fear of people makes, people makes kids, guys. Fear of peers makes kids do crazy things. And did you see this crazy thing? Saw this crazy thing this week up in Washington, D.C., where part of a, of, of, of a mob came into a restaurant, and, the, and people that are eating, and they're, they're trying to get them to, to put their fist up and say they believe in Black Lives Matter, and they're trying to scare them to just identifying with them. Why? Because fear... Is powerful and fear has torment. And David said, When I'm fearful, I'm gonna focus on you. I'm gonna trust in you. Now, he says, I praise him. What do we how do we know what God's promised? I mean, we say, What did, how do we know that? How do you know what God's promised you? I hope it's more than just well, preacher, preacher, jury, that's what you said. Don't do that. Because I'm not gonna always be there. Pastor Jeff, that's what you told us at camp. Don't do that. Pastor Jeff and Sarah's not going to always be there. You're not going to always be at Bible camp. How do we know what God's promised? Because whether you're at Canal Lake Bible camp or whether you're at the House of Prayer Church or any other church that's preaching God's word because we point to this. The God's word, that's what we call it, right? Holy Bible, God's word, scriptures, all the names you've got. All, but this has the promises of God toward you and to me. And men and women, listen, men and women have given, many, have given their lives, literally, shed their blood, martyred, so that we could have the promises of God, so we can read them for ourselves, we can know them for ourselves, we can stand on them for ourselves. And like David, we can say, I praise God for what he's promised. And what has he promised you? He's promised you that put your faith and trust in him. He's promised those that have confessed him as Lord and Savior. He's promised to send the Holy Spirit to live in us, to hold us, to abide with us, to reside with us, to give us confidence in the day of fear and that we don't have to walk in fear. But perfect love casts out fear. What's he promised us? He's promised us that he would never leave us, that he would never forsake us. What's he promised us? He's promised us as we walk with him and remain in him, he's promised that he will go with us and that eventually we have a home prepared in heaven with him where we will be with him and not only with him, but all the saints that have died before us in Christ. Now, that's just the beginning of his promises. But I want to tell you, it's a good place to start, right? He says, when I'm afraid, I will put my trust in you. And then as he realized that, he said, I praise God. For what he's promised, I trust in him. So why should I be afraid? 
Now, look at this. Look at this. When you get this time, I love what he does here. And, and remember, he's just talking about how people, man, God, I've been looking around, and they've been, and look what I said. For, why, why, do I, why do I need to be afraid? What can, and now he's turning, it, it, look how he, how he describes mortals. What, how does he describe them? Mere mortals. <laughs> you know, he said, hey, they, they don't even look big now at all, God. Why? What changed? His perspective changed because now he's seen it through the lens of looking to God that he trusts and the promises of God. And he said, so why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? No wonder scripture says that the fear of the Lord is a beginning of wisdom, right? Because it puts everything in perspective. The nights can get dark. <laughs> Trust me, I know that. I used to, I, I, I tell you, I can tell it now, I'm almost got a birthday next month. I'm a tour. I'm, I qualify for AARP, Social Security, Medicare. So I'm, I'm past that 39 or whatever it is. So I can say this. But I used to, I, again, it would be, I'd be get so scared. I would be so terrified at night. And I would lay in my bed, terrified, and I would wait till daddy and mom, till I thought they was asleep. And I've done this countless times, countless times. Mom and dad didn't have a, a, a dog in the house. They had me. Because I would wait till they were asleep. And I can remember going in and I would pull the covers up at the foot of the bed and slide into the foot of the bed just so my feet could touch mom or dad's legs. I was that fearful. It really was. It, it, it wasn't fun. But I learned something. Somewhere along the line as I grew older. It'd be hard 16 to do that. It was younger. I was younger than 16. I wasn't. I wasn't. <laughs> I know. I know. But I learned something along the line. I learned that I can snuggle up next to Jesus and I don't have to slip into the foot of the bed because when we snuggle up next to him, he snuggles up next to us and he holds us and he keeps us and he gives us peace. So think with me. What does God fear? He fears nothing or no one. So with him living in you and you living in him, don't you think he wants you to live in freedom and not fear? God's word is the key, I believe, to developing that faith that conquers fear. It's what he says. It's what he says. And know that. It's good. When you go to Canal Lake Bible Camp, you will hear the word of God. Okay? When you come to the house of prayer, hopefully, you will hear the word of God. Okay? But because... When you walk out here, sometimes you walk into a storm. And sometimes when night gets really dark, you can't see around you. And there's fear lurking. And you need to be able to say, what does God's word say? He's promised. What has he promised? And you put your faith and trust in him. It starts with knowing. It starts with us. <laughs> Debbie, I know this is bad. It starts with, you don't have to slip in the foot of the bed, but it starts with slipping in up next to him and asking him to be your savior and letting him come and live with you. Letting the Holy Spirit of God come and live in your heart. That's Jesus as he comes and lives in your heart. Oh, it's my prayer that everyone here this morning has done that, Okay. Because we're going to be together. All the, all, all the, all, every man, woman, boy, and girl that knows that they've been saved, that's saved. 
has put their faith and trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior, we've got a place prepared for us, man. We've got a home that God's prepared for us. We're going to be together again, okay? We may say goodbye to those loved ones here, and that's hard, that's difficult. And it may be, it may be, it may be the result of a, of, a, of a disease. It may be the result of an accident. It may be the result of just wearing out. You know, sometimes these bodies are disposable, guys. Okay? You know that. Younger kids, you, don't, you may not feel it now. You may not sense it now. It's, walk along for Lord Terry's. You realize, man, these bodies are disposable. I woke up, my arm is so sore. And I thought, man, what did I do? And then it's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. That's why that the, the, his word promises us that one day we will have, 1 Corinthians 15, we will have a new body. Yeah, boy. <laughs> All right. If your har, if your har, har, if your hair falls out, uh, if, you, if you have, I know, I don't know where that came from, baby. Or if, you, if your hair gets thin or your, your joints get creaky or achy, all these things, just know. You know, and it, we, may get, we may get slow. We were talking about somebody just say, well, they're not even too ambulatory now. You didn't know I knew that big word, but it's hard for them to get around now. But listen, these bodies are throwaways because we're, our soul and our spirit are eternal. We're going we're gonna to jump into a brand new body one day with him. It starts with knowing him. If you don't know him as your Lord and Savior, this morning, as we pray, it's going to be a good time to say, Lord, Jesus I've always wanted to ask you to come to my heart, come in my heart and save me, okay? But know this, that even though we know him and he lives in us and we live in him, it don't keep us from being afraid, but he wants us to be sure that we don't live in fear. You may hear a rattlesnake saying, and you may be afraid. After first service, Carol McKechnie, and I'm sure she'll appreciate me telling this over the, over the YouTube. Is that what we're on YouTube? See, I'm, all this stuff. All right, Carol McKenna came up and she said, Pastor, she said, yesterday, she said, there was a snake in my laundry room. And I'm thinking, a little ring neck. I said, well, Carol, how big was it? She said, I don't know. I saw about this much of it. And I said, that wasn't all of it? No. I said, well, did you get it? She said, it went under the washing machine. I said, what'd you do? She said, I went in the house and shut the door and told Jack he was doing the laundry. It's <laughs> <laughs> the truth. Oh, that's a truth. I love it. So... So I check with Jack after service. I wanted to check this out. I mean, that's just right up my alley, yeah. So I check with Jack after, after service. I said, Jack, you doing the laundry now? I've got to find that snake. <laughs> no, no, no you, you know, a, a snake in your laundry room may make you afraid. You may be afraid of that. It's probably wise to do that. But know this, perfect love. Dwelling in him and him dwelling in us. Focus, feed on these. Feed on first on Isaiah 26, 3. Feed on this where he says that this perfect love casts out that fear that torments. Because he don't want you living in torment. He wants you living in freedom. Knowing that whatever the storm, however dark the night gets, he's there with you. He is there with you. He loves us that much. Let's pray. Father, we want to th- I want to thank you this morning for your word, their promises. They're sure, they're true altogether. And Father, men and women down through the centuries and men and women in the, in the decades past in this church and congregation have lived it out and walked it out that and, their, and their thing that we see steadfast has been their steps as they've trusted you.
They've gone before us pointing the way that you're trustworthy. You're dependable. Your word never fails. And Lord, the nights sometimes we face are dark. Sometimes the storms rage around us. Sometimes, though, Lord, when it seems that we're almost ready to be shipwrecked, and you come to us. And sometimes you calm the storms, and sometimes you calm us in the midst of them, but it really doesn't matter by that time because we know you're there. So I want to pray this morning. I want to pray, Father, uh, for that those that may be here that have never trusted you or those that may be watching, that sitting in their living room, they may say, you know, I, I need to ask Jesus to come into my heart. And I pray that right now, maybe they just do that by saying, God, I, I believe you love me so much that you gave your son Jesus to die in my place on the cross. I'm a sinner. I've broken your laws. I've broken your word. And I need a savior. Right now, Jesus, come into my heart and save me. Make me your son or daughter. If you prayed that prayer this morning after we close, surely come up and share with Mr. Tom. He's going to be our prayer warrior. Let him know and he'll encourage you and pray with you. If you prayed that prayer wherever you're watching this, please contact the church and we'll get you some, some information and just be an encouragement to you. Now, Father, I want to pray with my brother or sister this morning that they feel like they've been right where you've told them to go, but they're in the middle of a storm and they've looked around and they've questioned, why aren't you there? They couldn't see you. May not have felt your presence, but this morning there's a realization that you're holding them. You're residing with them. You're abiding with them and they in you. And not like little Johnny's mama who's going to have to turn out the light and go to the big sissy's room. You stay with us all night long, all lifetime long. And we love you. And I just pray that you would, that promise, that reassurance would be amazing to them today. Lord, we just love you in Christ's name. Amen. Tom will be up after we close. Thank you, Peter.